Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. How to actually get people just to do what you ask them to do. FFS, OMG, LOL, WTAF. Now, if I was paid a quid, so for my American friends, that's a pound. Uh, if I was paid a quid, every time someone asked me, Rob, how do you get people just to do what you bloody asked them to do? I'd have at least another 58 billion in the bank. So um, this is a challenge for every manager, leader, parent, entrepreneur, property investor. I mean, if you, I have a lot of property people that follow me because obviously um, I started in property 15 years ago. Uh, builders, surveyors, architects, mortgage brokers, solicitors, refurb teams. If you're an entrepreneur, your admin team, your staff, your outsourcers, your consultants, if you're a parent, your kids, if you're a partner, your husband or wife. How simple would life be if people just did what you asked? Unfortunately, it's not as simple as that. And you know that. And I've got seven don'ts and one, two, three, four, 12 do's. So this is a deep one. So you're going to need to stay with me. Seven don'ts and 12 do's. Now, I wish I had the secret formula and the magic dust to sprinkle over you. There you go. Everyone will do what you ask. But unfortunately, it's an ongoing challenge to get the best out of people. And I wouldn't say I'm the best manager. I'd say I'm a pretty average stroke mediocre manager. I'd say my leadership skills are much better. But what I have got got is a really good management team. Uh, And what I am is an experienced entrepreneur for 15 years. And we have, what, 95 staff within three companies in in one of our main buildings. Uh, And I've learned a lot about managing and leading people. So it is the most common thing I get asked probably for people who have staff or people that they want um, to do. And um, let's go deep. No more intro. Here we go. All right. So the seven do don'ts, do nots I'm going to cover. Don't get annoyed. (laughs) Good luck with that. Don't never assume they work for you, which most people do. Never berate them, especially publicly. Don't ever expect them to live up to your expectations. This is a difficult one for people. Um, Five is don't ever believe that they're loyal to you. This is another difficult one for people. Six, don't avoid the necessary conflict. And seven, never expect the relationship to be fair. They're the seven don'ts, which I'll cover. And then the 12 do's are going to be watch your tone. They're going to be knowing their values and linking your tasks to their values. Three is going to be trust, but verify. Four, autonomy. Five, training and onboarding. Six, equal balance of support and challenge. Seven, controlling your emotions. Eight, vertical versus horizontal relationships. Nine, uh, thank you and sorry. <laughs> you think you know where I'm going to go with that one. 10, I'm getting buy-in and commitment from them. 11, the clarity of the task. And 12, serving and solving. So that's what we're going to cover. Are you ready? Deep breath in, snorkel on, let's go deep. 
Right, so um, John Pollard said here, if I could get my workmen to do as I ask, I'd be a millionaire. Exactly. If people just did what we wanted them to do, we would be really successful. The thing is, they can, but you just have to know what to do and what not to do. And that is the challenging bit because obviously we're human beings and we're driven by emotions. If you were driven by logic and not emotion and you didn't have any emotion, you'd figure out individually what works for each individual you're trying to manage or lead uh, and you'd end up winning the game. Okay, so the first thing is don't get annoyed. Now, I've probably been asked this hmm, at least every day. Um, how do you just get people to do what you want them to do, Rob? And they get annoyed. And that annoy, that feeling of being annoyed, that frustration that sometimes, sometimes can lead to anger, if that leaks out onto the person you're trying to get the job done, then um, they're not going to get the job done. They're either going to freeze, they're going to panic, or, or they're going to get annoyed back at you and they're going to feel um, berated, leveraged, um, disrespected, etc. Um, now, I'm going to cover in the do's how to overcome not getting annoyed, but you have to hide your frustration and annoyment. Is annoyment a word? But um, you cannot show that. And that's a big challenge. That involves managing your emotions, taking a breath. That means listening to feedback, letting people have their moments of frustration and not having your chance to sort of retaliate. But at the end of the day, you're the business owner, you're the leader, you're the entrepreneur, or you're the one that wants to get the thing done. Okay, number two, and this is really important. No one works for you. Your, your child's purpose is not to do what you tell them. Your child's purpose is to fill, fulfill their own purpose and destiny. Um, so, you know, your partner's purpose isn't to serve you. Uh, I think we assume that people are supposed to serve us and work for us, especially if we employ them or they're contractors. No, no, no. No one works for you. This was a cold bucket of water over my head. Because for years, when I was an entrepreneur in the early days, I wanted to be an entrepreneur so I could have freedom. I wanted to be an entrepreneur so I could be my own boss. I felt that the cost of doing that was the risks that I took. And anyone that I employed worked for me. No one works for me. I've got over that years ago. I'm actually good with that. Knowing that, I think, is one of the secrets to being a really good entrepreneur. No one works for you. Everyone works for themselves, their own values, their own loyalties, People don't work for you because they want to work in your company. Okay, that may be a side benefit. They actually work for you because they want their mortgage paid and they want to put their kids through school. And some people say, no, 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 Rob, that's not true at all. People want to work for my company. Okay, take, um, take their need for money away. Let's say they've got as much money as um, they need. Would they still work for you? I think most people bugger off <laughs> if they won the lottery. They won't work for you no more. You're sacked immediately. You need to know this. If you assume people work for you, you treat them like a subordinate. If you assume they work for themselves and you know that they have their own selfish needs and interests uh, in the picture, because you can balance this with yours, by the way, then you're winning the game. And we'll cover what to do in the do's. Third thing, this is a challenging one, but in most instances, it does depend on what motivates the individual. But in most in instances, berating people, bollocking them, tearing a new, uh, them into them or a new one, as they say, that's not going to get you anywhere other than resentment, bitterness, and they'll probably end up turning on you one day, especially publicly. Um, shaming people publicly or them feeling that way is one of the worst ways to motivate someone. Like I said, unless you're last chance saloon and that's the last trick you've got left to try and get, turn them around or they're one of those rare people that actually do get motivated by that or aren't bothered by that. But that is rare. Again, in the do's, we'll flick the, the switch on that. Um, now, if you berate someone publicly, um, then that just means you didn't manage your emotions very well. That just means you weren't able to breathe, calm down, wait. Um, and then, you know, take them aside and have a fair and balanced discussion with them about the things you want them to improve. OK, number four, never expect anyone to live up to your expectations of them because you will always be disappointed. Um, and a lot of people are, why don't people do this? Why don't people do that? This is not fair. That's not fair. They should be doing this for me. They should be doing that for me. 
But in reality, people only ever live up to their own expectations. We all have a unique set of values. We all have different things that are important to us and um, different morals and ethics, etc. So no one can ever live up to your expectations because um, your expectations are based on your own individual values, morals and ethics. So people will always leave you disappointed if you expect them to live up to your expectations. And I know there's a lot of people that expect that of their staff and of their their partners and you know their, their family members, etc., their suppliers, contractors, and then they're constantly disappointed with people. Okay, number five, never think people are loyal to you. They are not. People are loyal to their own values only. Now, if you happen to align with the values or find a way that your company or the task aligns with the values, then you have a win, then, then you'll perceive that they're loyal to you, but they're not loyal to you. They're loyal to themselves. Now, when I say this, some people get upset and they're like, no, Rob, that's not true. And there's no loyalty in the world. But, you know, people should be more loyal to me. I pay them. You know, they're supposed to be my friend. But in reality, um, as soon as you don't serve people's needs, they will be gone. Um, and people are loyal to their own values. We are all loyal to their own values. So you need to make sure that the values of your staff and the people you're trying to influence are getting met. And if they're getting met, then your needs through them will get met too. Um, uh, this is a hard one for people to swallow, but it's true. Um, all right, number six then, don't avoid the conflict. A lot of people are spending their whole life avoiding the conflict, putting it off, not eating the frog, um, trying to avoid you know, difficult conversations and situations and struggle and tension and stress. And the longer you avoid that, the worse it gets. The more you put off the conflict, the, the bigger the conflict gets. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It never goes away. It just keeps coming at you in the same form or a different form until you own it. So do not put off the conflict. It's necessary. Conflict actually helps you all discuss and, and have out challenges and frustrations. And then you, you grow after conflict. Of course, as long as you're not punching each other in the face and um, you know doing takedowns and ground and pounds. Um, all right. And then number seven, just never expect relationships to be fair. They are not fair. Um, you know, if you think about it, I pay my staff. They should do what I say. No, they don't. They do. They have a bad day. They have personal problems. They have challenges with their manager. They don't feel up to it. Um, you, you know, they don't like um, a, a job that we've asked them to do. There's a million reasons why um, even really good staff at times might not do what you ask. Um, and you don't think it's fair because you feel that you're paying them to not do that job. Um, but in reality, human beings are human beings. If you expect humans to be anything other than what they are, you're going to be the one that's disappointed. And now your cost for being the business owner, by the way, is that the relationships aren't necessarily fair and they will sometimes waste your time and they will sometimes make mistakes on, um, you know, on your watch. Richard has said here, I don't know anyone who loves conflict. I do. <laughs> I know plenty of people who love conflict, like to pick fights for the sake of it. I do, especially some of my critics. <laughs> um, now, you don't have to love conflict to embrace it. There's certain things I don't love to do that I know I've got to do to be a successful entrepreneur. And discipline is doing what you know you need to do, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't uh, love it. And, and being a business owner, there are things that you have to get your head around. You might not necessarily enjoy, but, you know, you've got to put your big girl or your big boy pants on and get them done. Um, so conflict is an important part of growth. Um, you know, there's chaos and order. Uh, and, um, you know, chaos creates the new order. And the new order is usually improved from the old order. So chaos and conflict are vital for growth. And if you avoid it, they get worse. Because it's just a continued feedback that you need to change the situation in order to improve and evolve. All right, great. I hope you're finding this useful so far. Give me uh, so, some kind of comment if you are finding this useful. Um, and if you do find this useful, please share it. Hit the share button whenever you like. If you're listening to the podcast, you could also maybe share the podcast. And people are always asking me, hey, Rob, you know, you, you're giving a lot. What can I do for you? And I'm not very good at asking for things. 
Um, but just sharing my work or reviewing or liking um, or commenting on anything that you might think is useful, that is how you could help me. All right, great. So here are the 12 do's then. So do number one, you've got to watch your tone. And you know, I re- have you ever talked to anyone or instructed anyone to do something when you've been angry, frustrated or annoyed? Um, or has anyone ever done that to you? Because my guess is they could have said the right words, but you took it in a different way because of the tone. Um, and, and I believe most of communication is not words. No, I believe it is tone. Of course, there's body language as well. But watch your tone, especially with children. Um, you know, if you say anything in slightly the wrong way or an emotional way, then they're just going to do the complete opposite of what you want them to do. I feel like I've, I've ra- I'm raising a couple of contrarians. Whatever I ask my kids to do, they usually do the opposite. So this is something else. I've not written this in my list, but you've got to find a way of asking um, the team member, the family member. You've got to find a way of asking, um, you know, your contractors, suppliers, staff, the people you're trying to lead and instruct. How can you ask them how to do something without asking them in a way that will get them to not want to do it, even though the instructions are clear? So it's almost like you've got to say the unsaid, do the undone. So, um, you know, with my son at the moment, and um, we're just having a bit of a challenge getting him more involved in his football. He loves football, but he's got some, I think, probably some underlying confidence issues um, around playing, even though he's really good. So he's not really getting involved in the game. Because if we get in the car and say, look, Rob, uh, Bobby, get involved a bit more, go for the ball, it just completely clams up, even though we're not saying anything wrong or nasty. Um, but, you know, saying get involved more or go for the ball when he's got underlying fears around, that's not going to help. So um, selling through stories, telling stories and trying to get to the bottom of what caused it in the first place and trying to address that, which is, again, the same with your staff members, your contractors, your suppliers, etc. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts, for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Okay, now I've got more on communication coming, by the way. Next thing then is if you want the single most important influence strategy, and it's not a tactic, it's a strategy. And I usually believe strategies often, um, you know, more empowering than tactics. Little tactics works, but overall good strategies, they have longevity. Um, It is to know their values and link what you want them to do to their values. No one works for you. People are working to get paid to 
um, finance the things that they want. If they ever get the sense that you feel that they work for you, they'll do it because they have to, but they'll do it um, in a resentful fashion. And as soon as they can even get a better opportunity or offer, they will. And I've seen this happen to me, by the way. I've made every single one of these mistakes and some. I'm not preaching that I'm the perfect le- legend at this. Uh, definitely a lot of these are things I work on daily. Communication, managing my emotions, not showing my frustrations. That's a daily thing I'm working on. Because when I master it in one area, all I do is tra- attract a bigger problem. I master that, I attract a bigger problem. Or you have 29 good days and one bad day. And that one bad day where you leak all your shit and you flip out, that ruins the other 29 days. And that's why it doesn't seem fair when you're an entrepreneur. But you're also going to make a lot more money and going to have a lot more freedom and you're going to get all the praise. So that's the cost. So just deal with it. Man or woman up. All right, great. So knowing their values and what's most important to them, whether it's their children um, or their career progression or earning capacity, and then linking the tasks and projects you give to them based on more free time, more time with the children, more autonomy, more career progression, more money. That is your best chance of getting them to do what you want them to do. And the most effective communication is communicating what you want someone to do, but um, based on uh, communicating it in their values. That will, that will help you win nine times out of 10. And that's for partners, children, parents, suppliers, brokers, staff, managers, etc. Okay, by the way, remember, you don't just manage down, you manage up. So you're managing your bosses, you're managing your leaders and your owners, um, as well as you know, managing what are supposed to be your subordinates. I'm going to come to that because I just don't believe in subordinates at all. Um, So I'm going to come to that later. Okay, number three then is trust, but verify. Now, um, recently in in my team, I mean, I trust my team and I believe what they say. And uh, probably two, twice a day for the last few days, I've managed to dig and find out facts that actually weren't what my team members said. Now, there was no deception there. Maybe there was protecting a staff member. Maybe it was that they weren't given the correct information from the staff member um, who they manage, who wasn't given the correct um, information from the staff member they manage, or a missing miscommunication. I trust my team, but when it comes to data and making decisions based on marketing, spend, and growth, I need to get a verification of the facts and the data as well. So I think if you trust your staff, but um, verify the main details that you need to, the metrics to run your business or get the job done, I think that's a good position to be in. You know when people don't trust you at all, and you know how that feels, but also if you trust people too much and you don't do any checks, Hmm, then, you know, things are going to end up happening, which you don't want to happen. And then you, you, it's too late. You've lost it by then. You know, there's a difference between delegation and abdication. Is it abdication? Um, but yeah, delegation is giving people a job to do, but making sure that it gets done and you have the involvement that you need. And abdication is just letting go of all responsibility for that role, that task, that job. Now, in reality, when you own the business, you are responsible for everything, even the things that your staff and your team and your, even your suppliers or your clients do. It represents and reflects you and your brand. So full abdication of all responsibility is not going to cut it. Okay, number four is autonomy. No one wants to feel like they're a dancing monkey, you know, your admin biatch. Um, and in reality, when you've got a load of admin, most entrepreneurs I speak to, I, say, oh, I hate all this shitty work. I just wish they'd fucking just get on and crack on and get rid of all my shitty work so I can do the fun work. Well, imagine you're that person, that admin person, hearing someone say that. No one wants to feel like they're just, you know, like I said, an admin monkey just doing shitty jobs. So um, giving people autonomy, projects, respecting the admin jobs as well as the leadership jobs, this is vital. And this, a lot of this comes through in your energy, your vibration, your um, enthusiasm, your passion. Human beings are really smart. Um, we're intuitive in that we can sense when there's something up or if 
Um, the words don't match what people believe, um, you know, behind the scenes or there's a lack of integrity. We, we can just sense this. So I think fundamentally treating all human beings as equals to the people that work for you and not seeing them as subordinates or, or lower down human beings. And um, people can see when you're looking down your nose at them. No one wants to feel subordinated. I'm going to come to that in a moment, by the way. But giving people autonomy, which is giving people projects and responsibilities, not just admin tasks. Don't just fire them a million tasks. Give them a project. Give them, give, keep, make them ever increasingly more um, responsible for things. Which actually will lead me to a bonus point. So this will be 13. And that is progression. Um, I'm told by many successful recruiters People like James Kahn, you know, major, majorly successful in recruitment. Um, that above money, there are three things that people want in a in a role or a career: progression, recognition, and autonomy. And that's the P R A. It's very wise to remember. Now, of course, money is important, but apparently, you will get someone about ten to fifteen percent less money, pound for pound, than if you give them really good career progression. You give them um, recognition, praise. You know, they feel valuable and valued and then autonomy, which is some freedom and trust and respect that, um, you know, they're actually going to go and do their job. Okay, number five, then, is training and onboarding. The amount of entrepreneurs I see, I just want them to go and do the freaking job. I'm too busy to teach them what to do. Why can't they just do the freaking job? Everyone needs training and onboarding in every role, even if they're really experienced at it, because you've got a different culture, a different way of doing things. You've got different expectations. You cannot expect someone to come in and be a legend without communicating and just chucking your world on them, spewing up all over their face and expecting them to clear it up all the time. Good training, good onboarding. And by the way, as an entrepreneur and a leader, Sometimes you feel like you've told them 10 times. Sometimes you feel like they should have got it by now. Then you need to tell them the 11th time. Or you need to take responsibility for the training and the communication. If they're not getting it, what are you not communicating or teaching well enough? So if you look at this by now, I mean, I've still got some um, plenty more bits of content to come. But really, what am I saying here overall is you're responsible for everything, even the things that other people are responsible for. And if you take full responsibility, hardcore responsibility, i.e. everything that is someone else's fault, you actually take on as your fault. You have the power to change. You're empowered to change. Um, and it's, it's basically the opposite of a blame culture, isn't it? Okay, number six, this is really important. The equal balance of support and challenge. Too much support, people become um, juvenile, dependent, complacent, lazy. Too much challenge and you break people. So the, the team that you are growing as an entrepreneur your children, your partnerships, your um, really important relationships in your life, they need an equal balance of support and challenge for maximum growth, as do you. One of my mentors, Dr. John Demartini, says maximum human growth is on the border of support and challenge. So uh, sometimes people support too much. Sometimes people challenge too much. Sometimes people delegate or abdicate too much. You've got to get that fine balance. So This is what I mean by conflict. Sometimes you have to have difficult conversations. Sometimes you have to give feedback that you know they might be defensive towards, trying to find a way that they digest that feedback without putting a wall up. Um, Feedback in the right environment. Berating publicly, probably the worst way to do it. Um, But in a one-to-one meeting where there's a little section on the agenda for 360-degree feedback, where you give feedback to your team member and they give feedback to you, or you have a conversation with your husband or your wife or your children where this environment has been set up um, that is probably the right way. So I'm often watching what people are doing, thinking, hmm, I'm going to need to give you some feedback on that, going to need to give you some feedback on that. And because I want to get shit done and I'm a very fast worker, in the old days, I just used to tell them there and then or send them an email or whatever. But I realized the timing of what you tell them and the communication is really important. I'll give you an example of this, which I think is profound. 
Um, I, rem- I remember reading an article on um, young golfers. And um, this was a really good article from someone who said that um, a lot of future professional golfers, their careers are ruined um, as children on the way home after a golf game or match. Because what happens is um, you get in the car and the parent has a go at the kid and the kid has a go at the parent. And there's a massive argument after the football match or the golf um, competition. That happens a few times. That becomes an anchor and then it's all just ruined. So uh, I have this rule when I take Bobby to football or golf or whatever it is. You know, I never let it get to any kind of conflict in the car on the way home. You've got to find the right way to address the situation. Because, look, if my son is a professional golfer or footballer, that's great. Um, You know, it's his life now. And I wanted certain things for him when he was younger. But it's his life now. He's nine years old. But at the same time, I don't want to let him quit on everything. Because if I let him quit on everything, it's going to teach him to be a quitter on everything. So um, I've got to find a way of communicating to him to keep going with football and keep going with golf, even if. Um, that doesn't end up being what he does because it's underneath what I need to teach him, which is, you know, to be courageous and brave and to, to not worry about what other people think about you and to go through um, when it gets hard and keep growing through that. Um, and they're the lessons. But, you know, a full on argument in the car on the way home, which you never intend to have, by the way, it just goes that way because you're frustrated. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a, a really profound thing that I got taught a couple of three years ago. And we've all done it. OK. Next then um, is controlling your emotions. This is probably the biggest one. At the end of the day, you lose your shit, you lose. It's as simple as that. And you can be like a master of controlling your emotions. You could be the Yoda of emotional control for 29 days out of 30 in a month. One day you lose your shit and then everything goes to shit. Um, And it doesn't seem fair that you have to not respond or not react or someone's criticizing you and you can't criticize back or you have have to wait 10 days to give the feedback in the one-to-one meeting or whatever. But that's the cost because you're the business owner and you get, you get more upside. You get the reward, the recognition, the money, the freedom. Uh, you know, you get the assets that you could sell for tens of millions of pounds in the future. So what's your cost to that? Your cost is you have to be the adult if they are the children. Um, and, in, you know, the, they can react emotionally and blurt and shout and scream and you know, make silly mistakes and lose their shit. Um, and and that, that ends up being OK, but you can't. Um, yeah, that's just the responsibility. I believe managing your emotions is simply um, transcending them, coming above them and understanding what they really are. Now, I'm an emotional guy, so I've had a lot of practice at managing my emotions. And, you know, I've done much better over the years. But of course, if the emotions are strong, they can override the logic. Um, So for me, emotions are simply feedback. They are a reaction to the environment. And you get an emotion uh, either giving you a reward for being safe or a warning against a threat. Essentially, if you break it down, that's what emotions are. Um, The thing is with our modern emotions is they're very complicated. We have many emotions, like there must be dozens of emotions for happiness. For example, um, you know, contentment, elation, arousal, satisfaction, um, you you know, I could just go on and on and on with the amount of emotions there are just for the word happiness. So they're complicated. But the way someone looks at us or something that's very first world and actually not really a threat to our survival can still make us feel like it's a threat to our survival. So we react to people and what they say and how people act and we lose our shit and we get angry and defensive or we freeze because some people freeze and retreat. Um, But actually what those emotions are, are reacting to the environment to keep us safe or give us a reward. Um, So avoid a a threat, to be wary of a threat or a, a, a reward for moving towards safety. Um, and, and so if we just go above them and go, actually, that's an interesting emotion. Why do I feel like that? Where does that come from? Is that in context? Do I really need to feel that strong emotionally? Do I, is, is that a triggering from the past? Is it, 
is something that's done here or said by someone. Actually, I'm reacting to what happened when I was seven years old, understanding what that is, breathing through it, calming down, never making a decision um, when you're heightened emotionally, either high or low, you know, never getting into a discussion or debate or an argument when you're emotionally high or low, uh, and then letting your logic kick in and working out, okay, how do I motivate them? What's going to empower them the most? And what's going to get me the best outcome? What are the seven do's and the seven don'ts and the 12 do's that I'm covering here of, um, you know, getting people to do what you want and then giving them the feedback and having a strategy. Okay, so that essentially, I could do a whole episode on controlling your emotions, mastering them. I probably will. It's an ongoing pursuit. You can, you can have 10, 20, 30 good days and one bad day and it can kind of reset you to zero. That's the, the unfairness of your emotions. All right, number eight is vertical versus horizontal relationships. So um, in the world we live in, there's a hierarchical um, structure in that, you know, there might be the president of the United States who might be top and there, there might be the janitor or the, you know, the, unfortunately, the person who's homeless at the bottom. But in reality, the president is no better than the homeless person. We're all equal. Um, so seeing life in horizontal, in vertical relationships, subordinates and, and people in power, um, means you either look down or look up to people, in which case they're out of balance. You either overly pedestalize or overly put them um, you know, down and subordinate them. And, and if you subordinate in your mind any of your staff and you feel that they're lower than you, they're going to sense that and they're not going to want to work for you. And that's not going to be empowering to them. Whereas if you see all relationships as um, horizontal, i.e. we're all equal, but we have different jobs. Like m- m- all of my staff, I need them as much as they need me. Um, and without them, we wouldn't have the full team. You know, you don't have 11 strikers in a football team. You have different people in different roles and positions, you know, with different skills. You have the tall, strong defenders. You have the lean, fast attackers. Um, so you need all different types. Uh, and I guess when I started as an entrepreneur, unconsciously, because I'm not particularly, um, I'm not an arrogant person. I'm certainly not particularly, um, I'm definitely not elitist. And I don't really, I don't really look down on people, but people can do things and I can think, you know, that's bad or why did you do that? or I can frown upon thing or things or um, feel that, um, you know, that was unfair or immoral or, um, you know, bad mistake or stupid or whatever. Um, but in reality, I've probably done the very things that they've done. Dr. John Dimartini tells me that um, every, every single thing you perceive people have done, good or bad, you've done yourself. Um, every single human emotion um, that, that, that exists, you experience and feel as does everybody else. Um, and so that just makes me realize we're all equal. Um, and Richard has said here, pay grade. Yeah, well, in the modern hierarchical world, you know, the, the, um, the, o- the owner gets paid, um, you know, a huge amount. And then the janitor gets paid not a lot at all. But three or four or 5,000 years ago in a tribe, everyone probably got paid equally. And they got paid by food, <laughs> you know, by surviving. Um, or maybe 20, 30,000 years ago, probably a bit, a bit longer than that. Um, but, you know, in a tribe, in a small tribe or a small village, um, the further you go back, probably the more equal people were. Uh, and the butcher probably wasn't paid 100 times more than the baker, for example. So when you view human beings on a um, horizontal rather than vertical, and we're all equal, you don't look down to people, people sense that. And that's actually, I think, in the modern world, the best form of leadership. And then you don't think, oh, they should just be doing the fucking job. So I'm just going to tell them to do the fucking job. Um, because I'm the fucking boss. And, you know, if they don't do the fucking job, then I'm firing them. You wouldn't want to be treated like that. That's not the way to treat people. And you're the boss, so you're supposed to be smart. You're supposed to be able to control your emotions. You're getting paid a lot more money. You're supposed to be, a, a, you know, a more inspiring leader. You're supposed to make less mistakes. 
Okay, number nine then is say thank you a lot and sorry a lot. Own your shit, your mistakes, uh, publicly own up to them and deal with them and take them on the chin. Um, Give the praise and take the blame. I think I first learned that in um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, most people want to take the praise and give the blame. A leader will give the praise and take the blame, a full reversal. I'm saying thank you a lot and sorry. By the way, I'm saying thank you instead of well done. It's empowering. Well done is almost like you did a good job for me. So that's almost like the the, um, vertical relationship again. Um, Whereas saying thank you is like, oh, we're equal. That's the horizontal relationship. Okay, number 10, you need to get buy-in and commitment from them. So if you tell them what to do, there's no buy-in or commitment. You're just telling them what to do. Whereas if you ask them what's a realistic deadline, how do they think the task should be done? What do they think needs to be done? And get their buy-in for the project or the task. They own it more. It's, all, it's more on them. They've got more to lose, including their own face and ego and reputation if they fail at it. So um, in a meeting, someone, uh, someone needed to get a, a task done. Um, and I asked them, how long did they feel it needed to be done? And they said two weeks. And I thought, hmm, we've already had a delay here. I'll tell you what, how about we get it done in four so you've got a bit of room there if you need some flexibility? Yeah, that's good. So I kind of helped them out. They owned that deadline. Now, if they missed that deadline, uh, I, I will be able to say, well, look, you asked for two weeks and, you know, you had four weeks. So what's going on here? You know, um, so, you know, I, I think I've got some leverage is the wrong word because I don't want you to think that leverage isn't it. Having leverage isn't just all about having power and control. Sometimes it's just getting commitment. I'd rather have commitment than power and control. I want committed staff. I don't want them to feel that they're doing stuff for me because they have to. Okay, number 11 then is clarity of task, clarity of role, um, job description, um, you know, manual, um, everything that was discussed that needs to be done actually backed up in the written form, written down. The amount of time someone thinks you said A when you said B, someone thinks the job is C when you think it's D, and man, communication. I mean, everyone you speak to who's at a high level of management or runs a company, they all say communication is the biggest thing. There's either too much communication or not enough communication. Um, He said, she said, they said, we said. So total clarity of their role, total clarity of the task, the job at hand, the deadline, um, the the job description, and the key result areas, the income generating tasks, and then them written down. And then finally, your job is a servant, not a leader. So you actually serve your... um, Someone has just said, num- what's number 10? Buy-in and commitment. That's what I just covered, Terry. Were you not listening? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just summarize them afterwards in case I might have jumped one or missed one. So, serve. Um, I used to think my staff worked for me. I now know I work for them. Because if I do a good job for them, I'm going to go from five staff to 50 to 100 to 1,000 to 10,000. And if they can do their job well because I'm serving them, I get the benefit. Now, I've only got realistically four to 10 hours a day of work in me. But let's say I get five good hours of work out of 100 staff, that's 500 good hours of work a day. 1,000 staff, what's that? 5,000 hours a day of good work. So if I serve my team uh, and then they get do good work because I'm serving them, um, and this is a bit, when you start as an entrepreneur or you know, you're a parent, you assume your job is to teach them, your job is to instruct them, they work for you. You know, your, your children are supposed to do what you tell them to do. Your partner is supposed to do what you want them to do. Uh, 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 uh. Um, serve and solve or help them solve, giving them the um, autonomy to solve, you win. And then let me summarize because I'm often told the summaries are useful in my podcasts and my lives. So how to actually get people to do what you ask. 
Um, and this is all areas of life, staff, um, consultants, um, parents, children, partners, um, bosses, managers, leaders, um, PAs, VAs, builders, solicitors, brokers, surveyors, contractors, you name it. Um, seven don'ts. Don't get annoyed. Manage your emotions. Give them feedback logically. Never assume they work for you. They work for themselves. Never berate them, especially publicly. Find a motivating way to give them the lessons that they need. Never expect them to live up to your expectations. They will only ever live up to theirs. Um, never think they're loyal to you. They'll only be loyal to yourself, uh, themselves. Um, do not avoid the conflict or put it off. Um, it's necessary. And never expect life or relationships or jobs to be fair. They are never fair. They are what they are. And remember, your definition of fairness is unique to you and different to theirs. Okay, the 12 do's. Mate, watch your tone um, and find a way of communicating well. Know their values and link your role or task or job to their values. Number three, trust, but, but verify when you need to. Number four, give autonomy, not just tasks. Give them projects and responsibility. Remember, progression, recognition, and autonomy are the three factors more valuable or as valuable, but will save you money um, on wages because um, when people have been surveyed, they've said that progression, recognition, and autonomy are equal to or more valuable than the, the salary. So in other words, they'll work for less if they get good progression, recognition, and autonomy. Um, training and onboarding, they've got to be trained well and onboarded well and never assume they know what they're doing and they need constant training, management, leading. Number six, equally support and challenge them and give feedback in the right environment. Number seven, control your emotions. Number eight, um, think of all re relationships as horizontal and equal rather than vertical and um, sort of subordinate or hierarchical. Um, number nine, say thank you a lot and sorry a lot and give the praise and take the blame. Number 10, get buy-in and commitment from them. Don't just give them tasks. Let them set their own deadlines. Let them come up with the project plans. Number 11, um, clarity of task, clarity of role, clarity of job description, clarity of income generating task, and clarity of key result area and all things backed up in the written form. And then number 12, you serve them as opposed to they serve you um, and help solve with them and for them, but let them solve and get their own lessons too. I love you all. You're all legends. Thanks for joining. Peter said, great, great deep dive. Um, I think many of you have realized you've made some of these mistakes, as have I. And, I, and I, I'm, not, um, I'm not sitting here from a perch preaching going, I'm perfect. You know, I reckon 28, 29 days of the month I do a good job. I reckon I'll have at least one day a month where I'll probably break some of those rules and, you know, look at myself and go, I should know better. But that's the strength of human emotions. And the continual management and mastery of those emotions is the management and mastery of your business and the management and mastery of your relationship and the management and mastery of life. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the share button. Um, if you think this has been useful, thanks for all of you who are donating stars, by the way. I'm really grateful that you're grateful. And remember this, if you don't risk anything, risk it.